1: Learn more at marines.com.
2: Subscribe right, with the rights today is sponsored by Shell. Get the feeling of being rewarded with gold status at Shell with the Fuel Rewards program. Download the Fuel Rewards app, join, and start saving today. Got it! There it is. See, I told you. Oh, brilliant. A brilliant three-hit shutout for Jose.
3: Nineteen days into the new baseball season, the Minnesota Twins have played eleven games. That is uh, two fewer than every other team in the league. And uh, also will be as many as seven fewer than some teams after tonight. But what the heck? They're in Puerto Rico in the sunshine. Uh, Dustin Morris is with us, uh, director of communications and player relations for the Twins. Tell us about the scene down there and what this might do for the mood of the club.
4: <laughs> well, uh, if I could paint a picture, let me first put my sunglasses on, and uh, uh, if you can hear that that's waves crashing down. It's a beautiful setting. I mean, Puerto Rico is. Uh, uh, you know, Hurricane Marie did a number on this island, but the part that we're staying in, it's beautiful and it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing little getaway, I guess, if you will. We literally left the blizzard for the beach. I mean, it's crazy what we left, uh, Minneapolis in. The weather yesterday was, was, uh, was crazy. We were trying to get out at three o'clock. We didn't get out till about four, but we landed here, uh, late last night, got to the hotel and, and our guys were just a little bouncing their step. The sun was out today. We had a lot of moving parts, a lot of different community events, a workout. Uh, and and we got some parties tonight to attend, so uh, life is good. You know, Patrick, I'm a big fan of this international play. to the World Baseball Classic last year, and MLB does it right. Uh, I think the teams are, are both welcoming this warm, hot weather, if you will.
3: Uh, uh, Dustin, uh, <laughs> I don't want to bring up any bad news. Are we going to avoid the rain Tuesday and Wednesday?
4: Well, it's funny because there is, <laughs> there is rain in the forecast. There's... Uh, they, they kind of describe it as is the Florida rain that kind of comes and goes. So
3: okay. uh,
4: they're not worried about a washout. But I, I will tell you, there is a little plan that if if, if we were to lose Tuesday, we do have Wednesday to pull in two games, and, and both teams do have an off day Thursday. So they're confident that these games will get in. But yeah, it, uh, ironically, last night when we all got to the hotel and got settled, and we were wandering around, a group of us were step- going outside to the uh, Kind of towards the water, and it started raining on us. So it was like, geez, we can't uh, we can't get away from this
3: weather. Okay, uh, the great photo from the uh, uh, airport terminal uh, the last night. Uh, whose idea was it to get everyone dressed up like uh, Papa Joe Cambria, who was the twin <laughs> scout in Cuba in the nineteen fifties with the Panama uh, that, hat and the whole deal? That was that was none other than Brian, that Brian.
4: Uh, Brian decided to go with the island vibe uh, mm-hmm. dress attire, which at first, everybody thought it was a little—he uh he was joking around, but but no, it was it was definitely serious. And uh, I guess the theme was white because most of the guys dressed in in some uh, white linen with uh, the fedoras, and and Joe Mano even showed up with a cigar. Yes, so that was fantastic. Uh, he played the part well. It was a fun, festive flight with uh, Julio Barrios taking the mic on the plane and uh telling everybody how excited he was to to showcase his island and the culture here and. Uh, we, we we're streaming sir. tonight. In fact, Jose and, and Eddie Rosario are hosting a party with authentic Puerto Rican food. They've hired a authentic Puerto Rican band and, uh, and going to just uh, host us. So we're we're all kind of getting dressed up, ready to go. MLB starting a party tonight to uh, welcoming both clubs. It's a unique setup, Patrick. Both teams are staying at the same hotel, so uh, it's it's interesting to run into uh, like a Jan Gones or uh, Corey Kluber. I, I saw today. It's it's a little different when we see you see the opponent right there and guys mingling and Terry Francona at the pool.
3: Yes, hey. uh, So uh, Barrios, he's basically from. uh, I looked it up. He's from a suburb, basically of San Juan. I think you know, fifteen miles or something. Eddie's down on uh, the southern coast, about an hour and a half away, hour and fifteen away. But uh, uh, Jose must that must be right home for him, huh?
4: Exactly you're exactly right. Jose's about twenty minutes from san juan and and he calls San Juan pretty much home uh, and Eddie 's on that south side of the island they got they got hit very hard with the hurricane he 's actually there right now. I just hung up the phone with him. He hosted a clinic today at his home oh, really five kids from his high school. His principal was showing him around the school with some of the different things that they've they 're displaying of, of eddie they're very proud of him and um it's uh, just a lot of good. Uh, Jose met a group today at the the Children's Hospital. It's in San Juan. Uh, we had about eight players show for that, and, and we went over to the stadium. There was a group that wanted to get a workout, in, including Joe Mauer, he, he's uh, as veteran as he is. He wanted to get some extra hits in and learn the ins and outs of the stadium here. So it's been a it's been a busy day. We've done a lot of things, but uh, now we get to sit back and relax a little bit. An off night, uh, as you said in your intro, it just seems like every other night we have an off night. So. Getting used to this laid-back baseball schedule, we know it'll catch up with us. We got to get 162 games in, but we've had a, we've we've been able to ease into the season, I guess.
3: How uh, with uh, uh, how long did you have the field? Uh, what uh, some batting practice, a little infield, outfield? What what did the team do today? Because they have not yeah, been on the to, field forever. So it, it was
4: number one just to see it. Paul Moller and the coaching staff, uh, Mary Cook, who does all the international groundskeeping for major league baseball does an amazing job i i was lucky enough to come down here in january when we had the press conference and saw what the stadium looked like and it was it was a little concerning but to see the field today and what they did with it just it, it's amazing it's a it's a venue that holds about nineteen thousand sold out both games it's going to be extremely fun but it's all turf so mauer was out there taking ground balls and and uh, a couple guys took batting practice, and Jake Odorizzi needed to get some throwing in, and Kyle Gibson got some work in, and really just the coaches just studied the nooks and crannies of the the, the outfield and how balls might carry, on and and uh, you know you know Molly he likes to look at how if a guy can lay down a bunt how that might play. So uh, just kind of a little scout session today at the field from uh, twelve thirty to two, uh, light light workout in the hot sun. I'll tell you it was it was actually hot. We were all sweating, so that was. Kind of a change from anything we've experienced so far this year. And then, like I said, a lot of guys were going different directions um, with uh, just exploring Old San Juan or a group, like I said, went to the hospital here. And then some guys are just kind of lounging out getting a feel for uh, the weather down here and, and hanging by the pool. And tonight we'll, uh, we'll go uh, we'll see some, some music and some entertainment and, and play some baseball tomorrow.
3: Hey, Barrios! Uh, I guess is uh, from what I've been reading, hot commodity down there right now. People are excited about the start to this season. It, it's 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 amazing, Patrick. You know what Joe Mauer is to Minnesota? Uh, Jose
4: Barrios uh, to Puerto Rico. It's, it, he is he is as high a celebrity status as you can get. He's uh, he's very passionate about you know, being from this part of the world and and they're very proud of him and, and you know there's security everywhere just to get him in and out and he's got what looks to be like a presidential vehicle with uh, police escorts to get him to and from and uh it's it's amazing to see because it's just you know to us we take it for granted that uh, you know these guys are professional baseball players up in minnesota but to, to this island both both Jose and Eddie are, are superstars and, and not to mention Francisco Lindo on the other side of the Indians. Sure. He's, he's above that too. And it's, it's a little challenge with these guys because it's different. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, there's circle of, of family and friends and, and media members. It's not uncommon for, uh, uh, an interview to take place. And then, uh, the, the reporter to ask for an autograph. I mean, it's just, they're that big of celebrities here that it's fun to see. And it's, a little eye-opening for me personally on how to control what these guys want and what's too much. And and they're embracing all of the attention. I give them both a lot of credit, both Jose and Eddie, for what they're taking on and, and trying to give back and donate some money and some time. But, yet, yeah, put on a show. They both – baseball is a priority, and they're both uh, very, very excited to play in front of their friends and family here in Puerto Rico.
3: Dustin Morris is with us. Uh, you know, Brias and Carlos Correa – uh, Correa are kind of the, uh, the new wave of Puerto Rican uh, baseball coming out of that, uh, Puerto Rican baseball Academy and into the draft. And, uh, you know, that, that they, somebody a few years ago, and I guess it was major league baseball with the help of Puerto Rico to say, Hey, we got to start taking advantage of the talent down here again. And, uh, as I said, Correa and uh, Barrios are, and Lindor are sort of the new wave.
4: Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. You yeah, said the, uh, the crew that was shagging BP for us today was uh, one of the academies down here in Puerto Rico. It's about 15 high school kids, and uh, one of the scouts down here said that they'll have two or three first rounders in that group. So not a bad group to shag fly balls for, for our hitters. But they keep pumping out this first round, second round talent. And it's you know a couple academies. I know Carlos Beltran. I ran into him last yeah. night in the lobby, and he's got a big academy down here that is producing some talent. Not not only just baseball players, but but human beings too. The the Preparing them for the big league lifestyle and education, and it's it's nice to see some of these guys like Beltran and Yadier Molina and Roberto Perez, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Correa, Jose Barrios. I mean, the list is growing and growing. And, 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 and then of course, like Padre Rodriguez is a big presence down here, and the Alomar family. So it's um, it's pretty neat to see what baseball means to this part of the world, and and that we have two. And to say the truth, the third, Kenny Spargus is a very popular player down here, too. So to have three players that mean so much to this area is, is pretty fun to sit back and just kind of watch. It's it's, uh, it's amazing the passion that these fans have
3: for baseball. It's cool to see. Hey, uh, thanks, Dustin, and play ball, will you? Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, okay. Patrick. Okay, uh, Dustin Morris uh, reporting from San Juan. And you were going to go, Reavers, and Manny Hill
2: prevented it. You know, I was just thinking about that when you are talking <laughs> to Dustin. That darn Manny Hill had to That's take right. a day off. To, that that? would have been a fun trip to go down there yeah, to go see a couple of men. It's not that far. You no. Know?
3: So you just, you get, once you get to Miami, you're dang near there. All right, we'll be back.
2: Windpunk.com and this portion of the Ride with the Royce Live inside of the TCL Broadcast Studios is brought to you by MetaFast Weight Control Centers.
0: John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update is sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Ooh. Dickie's Barbecue Pit, where the very best quality meats are slow smoked for 14 hours every day. Dickie's now delivers right to your door. When you're ready to eat, head to Dickie's Dot com. I was just thinking of what to take home for dinner tonight. That sounds pretty grab good. Grab some dickies and yeah, head grab home. Grab
3: some dickies, yes.
0: Uh, here's how things are looking for the local teams in the playoffs. The Wild down two games to one after last night's win over Winnipeg. They'll play again tomorrow night at the Excel Energy Center. And the Timberwolves don't play until Wednesday in Houston. They lost to the Rockets by three last night. That was game one of the series, of course. So they're down no games to one. How easy, Center. though.
3: They had to be, what, 10 or 11 point dogs, I would think.
0: I didn't even look. Vikings have signed linebacker Eric Kendricks to a long-term contract extension. ESPN's Adam Schefter saying it's five years, $50 million, $25 million guaranteed. Uh, Kendricks has picked up over 100 tackles in back-to-back seasons. And, uh, of course, the Vikings do very well in the passing game against opposing running backs. He's one of the reasons. Uh, they do have some other free agents they're going to have to take care of or do something with. Anthony Barr, Stephon Diggs, and Danielle Hunter, also free agents following next season. Last week, Lindsay Whalen named the Gophers women's basketball coach. She has no experience coaching, but she explained to Mackie and Judd today here on 1500 ESPN how she sold herself during talks with
5: the U.
3: I shared my vision, shared what I feel like has been successful for me as a player and as a point guard, being around Cheryl Reeve, being around Gina Ariema, being around Mike Tebow. Um, What I saw from, just kind of what I saw from them is, as things that I think will work, and I think will work
0: here. Whalen will play again for the Lynx, of course, this upcoming season, and coach the Gophers. Uh, speaking of the WNBA, tickets for this summer's All-Star Game went on sale today. This will be the first time the game's come to Minneapolis. It's scheduled for July 28th, 2.30 in the afternoon. It'll be held at the Target Center. Full schedule of All-Star Game-related events will be announced at a later date. Uh, twins playing in Puerto Rico this week. Tomorrow and Wednesday, as you just heard, of course. Uh, rules do allow for adding a 26th player when playing internationally, so the Twins have added Ryan Lamar back to the roster. Remember, they just sent him down a few days ago. If you missed it over the weekend, Alan Buzenitz was brought up to take his Did, place. Did uh,
3: anyone ever think of looking at the weather forecast before they bothered to bring in an extra pitcher to get them through the weekend? <laughs> Anybody ever look at the weather forecast? These guys are always right. What are you it, doing? Was,
0: it was a strange one. It was wasn't it? stupid in every every sense of the word. <laughs> I went with strange. You went okay, with stupid. Stupid. Stupid! <laughs> <laughs> uh, normally we'd have one a of ge- the dumbest teams and no, all that. Wait, that's the Timberwolves. That's the Timberwolves. Excuse yeah. me. I got confused. Easy, Charles. Uh, today was the Boston Marathon. We got nor- the same golf swing. <laughs> <laughs> and normally we'd have a uh, baseball game in Boston, too, but uh, that game was. She was pouring. World against mm, yeah. Baltimore. Uh, and hey, uh,
3: uh, American last one for the first time since when? Two thirty nine
0: fifty six since nineteen eighty five. Desiree Linden, the winner. Slow today. Everybody was slow today. That's uh, that's fast for me. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the on uh, the male side, it was a Japanese fella, Yuki Kawachi. Uh, he passed defending champion Jeffrey Kuru as they passed through Kenmore Square with a mile to go. He won the men's race in twenty fifteen. 58. That's Japan's first Boston Marathon since 87. So, uh, new blood, sort of, huh? First no American. There's joy in Kenya and Ethiopia today, I- baby. Exactly. They got shut out at the uh,
3: Boston mm-hmm. Marathon. That's unusual. All right, Johnny, thank
0: you. You bet.
5: The Ride with Royce. Time for a of traffic. Just check the weather briefly. Traffic and weather together. This one's sponsored by Account Temps. We're seeing worsening conditions for eastbound 62 in Minneapolis. It's now jammed from 35W all the way over to eastbound 55. That slow-and-go sludge continues over the Mendota Bridge. It's due to a roving snow removal crew working the bridge. One lane right now, but it looks like they're about done. The other snow removal crew is working northbound 35E at Highway 36. So traffic queued up back in into downtown St. Paul, running 20 minutes or more uh, from 94 up to 694. The rest of the system looking pretty darn good. Uh, we're uh, experiencing a very light rush this afternoon. Demand for top talent is at an all-time high. Account Temps can help you find highly skilled temporary accounting and finance professionals who fit your needs and hit the ground running. Account Temps, a Robert Half Company. Clear and 20 tonight, sunny 40 tomorrow. It's 32 right now. T-
3: Murphy, Pioneer Press, frequent host here at 1500 ESPN. Murph, we had a little old-time hockey the last 48 hours. You're getting your arse kicked up in Winnipeg. You send the message in the last two minutes of the reg- of the game that you're not going to take it anymore. And then you go out and you win 6-2. to Glenn Sandmore would have been proud of this. Yeah, of course it's not 1981 anymore. I
1: don't, <laughs> think,
3: the J- I don't think the Jets did
1: themselves any favors by kind of engaging the wild toward the end of game two. I mean, they should have just let the wild take their frustrations out on the wall. Uh, yeah. cause it, it may have woken up the sleeping giant. I was a little skeptical of that Friday night thinking, well, this is kind of a, a, a cheap little ploy here to kind of stir things up. But look, we know how good the wild are when they're, they're back, you know, they're down 0-2. two, they're coming home. They play well at the X. I don't think anybody was shocked necessarily that they won. How are they going to respond tomorrow night? Cause tomorrow's the pivotal game. I think who wins tomorrow night is going to win the series. Perhaps. And I, I, I'm waiting for the wild to seize the moment, as opposed to kind of wilting in it. They always do just enough to tease you, and then they fall apart. So let's let's see what they've got in them for tomorrow night because this is the big game.
3: Now uh, Dubnik gets his share of heat uh, during the playoffs, and uh, certainly the for the the second goal for sure was not a good one last night. The first one was a little shaky, but uh, he certainly looked a lot more solid than uh, the guy from Winnipeg did.
1: Yeah, uh, Hellebuck was dusted after 22 shots, six goals. A couple of them, he, there were screens, but he didn't put on a playoff performance. And if you think about it, he hasn't really been all that tested through three games either, uh, or at least the, the first two games in Winnipeg. He, I mean, he basically yawned through a 17-save night on Friday. Dubnik is, of course, on notice because he's he's one of the top goaltenders in the NHL and has consistently been that the last three or four years since coming to Minnesota. But in the playoffs... He hasn't necessarily cost the Wild series, but he hasn't really won them one. And I think the the, the popular storyline is when is Devin Dubnik going to steal a series? Well, this is his series to steal. He got pummeled with shots on Friday night, just hung in there and got peppered. He was the only guy that really showed up. Yeah, he played. And then well. last night last night, I mean, he, he could have wilted and the Wild could have wilted after that first goal. I mean, the Winnipeg's first shot four minutes into the game bleeds in On the short side, on a, like a two hopper, it would look like a fungo, and... Instead, he responds with probably his finest game of the series and really made some key saves in the second period when the Wilds were killing penalties.
3: You wonder how much uh, it's, it's an NHL thing, and you don't think much about it. It's a hockey thing, but uh, getting the lines you want out there comes in handy uh, sometimes. Getting Koivu out there when you want him out there to play defense is probably a, a helpful thing.
1: Yeah, and at home, you get the benefit of the last change. You're the, you have the opportunity. That's one of the home ice advantages. You have the opportunity when your opposing coach puts out his three forwards and 2D. You can say, yeah, I don't really like that. I'm going to mix up and I'm going to match up here. Now, Boudreaux isn't necessarily a guy that's going to shadow players too often. Um, but he does like to get Koibu out there for key faceoffs, especially and certainly in the, in the defensive zone. And, you know, if this does become a chess match, Having home ice advantage always matters.
3: Uh, The uh, Maurice uh, had a little uh, comment about Felino, the collision there with uh, Myers, the defenseman. Uh, Of course, Boudreaux uh, dismissed it. I don't know. There's a little kind of a reachy hit type of thing, but I don't think that was what caused the knee injury, did you?
1: No, I think the knee injury was caused because he got his state skate caught in the bottom of the boards and yeah. kind of got it twisted awkwardly. I mean, you know, I've looked at the replay a couple of times. I mean, Polino did give him a little bit of a shove with his arm, but it wasn't no. uh, a shove from classic shove from behind, putting him face-first into the wall. Uh, Myers was the one that went in awkwardly with his skates. Um, but, you know, anything to get an edge, I suppose. The series been very physical. I don't think it's necessarily been dirty. It could escalate to that at some point after three games. Grudges have been held now, and everybody knows what everybody's secrets are and what everybody's game is. And right now, I, I, I think this is as physical of a series the Wild have played in years.
3: Yeah, I think I've been all, I've been all in on it being Winnipeg when it was still up in the air as to who they're going to play because they still need a rival. You know, the Blackhawks, we can say they're a rival, but they're not. They're more of a North Star rival than a Wild right. rival. Uh, they, this team needs a rival. There's no better one than Winnipeg being six hours away. And uh, them them coming down here and then, uh, you know, okay, maybe Minnesota people start traveling up there too. I think is this could be what they really need, a nice seven-gamer against these guys and having them beat on each other.
1: Well, and having the, as you said, the caravans going up and down from here through Manitoba as well. I mean, you know, there aren't too many, I don't think, caravans of Blackhawk fans coming from Chicago. And the other thing is it was a lopsided rivalry for as long as it lasted a couple of years. When the Blackhawks were on their cup runs, the Wild were just sort of a bug on the windshield. And as you mentioned, that was a North Stars rivalry from the 70s and the 80s. -hmm and the jets are a new team in a way i mean they came this is the yeah. second incarnation of them so they're just trying to establish themselves as well they were the atlanta thrashers so you've yeah. got two relatively new teams right on top of each other a canadian market and arguably one of the best us markets uh in the nhl it it's a it's a match made in heaven and if you're starting to build a hatred uh between players not just a little bit of a, a, a you know tuck-and-grind kind of rivalry, but like a real grudge match. Yeah, That's what develops over a playoff series, and that's what they need.
3: Yes, and, uh, you know, Winnipeg, uh, they can have the same nickname, but they're just the same circumstance we are. It's a completely different franchise, and you need your new rivals. Uh, that's... And,
1: and they haven't done anything in the playoffs. No. I mean, they were swept a couple years ago by Bruce Dutton's Anaheim Ducks, so they're trying to establish their playoff bona fides, and the, the Wild are just trying to get over that hump. Uh, it, it's incredible Pat it's been 15 years since they went on that run to the yep. Western Conference Finals out of nowhere, nobody's from nowhere and it's taken them that long they still have not advanced beyond the second round. And it's, only
3: it's, once right? Or twice? What, how many times have they been in the second round? Just the once or twice?
1: No, the, the, in the Parisi-Suter su- they've, they've done it twice, they beat the okay. Blues in the Avs in the last five years, but then they ran right into Chicago and went out meekly. Uh, this is uh, you know, it's the stagnation is starting to weigh down on the franchise and, and, and the fan base right now. There's a lot of, you know, wake me up if it's the third round kind of out there. And this is this is a the pivotal game tomorrow night because if they want to extend this series, they have to win tomorrow night. Otherwise, it's a funeral march to Winnipeg.
3: I'll tell you, the old bits are written for Parisi with the bad back. And would he ever be the same? Man, he's as good as he's been right now yeah, in the last month
1: scored in all three games yeah and since March he's been playing lights out I think it's important obviously that he steps up as you know the eight nine million dollar man now that Suter is out obviously they play different positions but from a just from a leadership standpoint and from a follow me standpoint you know this is Parisi's team in a lot of way I know Koivu wears the C but this is Parisi's team it's Suter's team Uh, you need your big-time players stepping up when you need them to and scoring timely goals too. whether it's the first goal or the answering goal. And that's what he's been able to do on the power play. He's been right in front of the net playing his type of game and showing no ill effects from that back surgery earlier this year.
3: No, that surgeon uh, will have a good reputation. Uh, By the way, that Parisi Koivu tip-in goal, that was a couple of crafty old son-of-a-guns doing a number on somebody because he just kind of set, he pushed himself off him and put the stick on the ice and Koivu hit the stick. That was a magnificent goal.
1: Yeah, to get himself free. Uh, yeah. at that exact moment and drop his blade right on the top of the crease in a redirect. I mean, that's, that's stuff that's developed over years, uh, those kinds of techniques, and also a great chemistry between Koibu and Parisi knowing to look for that at that moment and Parisi could see. He read the play. He saw what was coming. He was able to shed his defender, and that's a top-notch play right there.
3: Hey, uh, of the kids, of the youth, there back on defense. Uh, do they like the Susie kid? Who do they like?
1: Nick Seeler. Uh, okay. Susie's Suzy's still a little bit overwhelmed there, but Nick Sealer has really stepped up. Uh, Yeah,
3: and they benched him for a while. He played, and then they benched him, but he's back now.
1: Well, if you remember, one of his first games, too, was against Detroit, and he ended up getting into that huge heavyweight bout with their tough guy and ended up throwing haymakers back and forth uh, to kind of answer for a cheap shot that uh, somebody almost put on Parisi, and that endeared himself to the dressing room pretty early on. He's only had 20 games so far in his tenure, but he's playing a heck of a lot more above that. And he's not wilting in the moment. He's actually uh, kind of embracing the moment. And with Suter being out and Spurgeon and Dumbas still playing at the tops of their games, this has been sort of a revelation that we might not have seen if Suter was still
3: in the lineup. Hey, uh, Murph, thanks for your time. Uh, We will probably see you tomorrow night, sir. Sounds good, Pat. All right. uh, Brian Murphy, uh, Pioneer Press and uh, a frequent host here on uh, 1500 ESPN.
0: Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history. Patrick. Bob Feller's blazing fastball set the standard against which all of his successors have been judged. Rapid Robert spent his 18-year career in Cleveland amassing two hundred sixty six victories and two thousand five hundred eighty one strikeouts while leading the league in strikeouts seven times he missed four years in his prime serving his country during world war II, for which he was decorated with five campaign ribbons studded with eight battle stars Feller struck out seventeen tigers fresh from high school in nineteen thirty six authored three no hitters and had an impressive total of twelve one hitters
3: Uh, Yes, on this day, April 16th, 1940, which, by the way, Chris Reavers, was opening day. April 16th, (laughs) 1940 was opening day. In other words, 18 days later than this year's opening day. Just as it should be. uh, Bellet Bob Feller pitched his first no-hitter. He was a 21-year-old kid, and uh, he he pitched the no-hitter on opening day. And then that was against the White Sox at Comiskey Park. The Indians won that game 1-0. It it remains the only no-hitter to occur on any opening day in baseball history. Jack Morris, I think, pitched on... uh, I thought Jack pitched one on opening day. I I thought so, too. He pitched his second no-hitter against the Yankees in 1946, and he pitched his third in 1951. Uh, Nolan Ryan holds the uh, record for most no-hitters with seven. Sandy Koufax had four, and uh, Feller has uh, three. Uh the the amazing thing about Feller, of course, is with all the uh great greatness of him, he was two sixty six and one sixty two, but from ages twenty uh what would have been ages twenty four through twenty seven, prime time, he was in the military for oh, yeah. World War Two.
2: World War Two. Uh Blackjacks was on April seventh of nineteen eighty four. Was it? it Wasn't opening day though? Huh? It doesn't. It doesn't. I thought it was. Opening I thought it day. was too. I think you're. I right. it was opening
3: day. Hear this. What I'm reading said it's the only one. Uh, anyway, he served those uh, those four years in the service, and I can believe that if I was a German or a Japanese uh, soldier, I wouldn't have wanted to run no. into Bullet Bob because he had a little attitude about him. And of course, I've told you the story about the. Uh, The last time I was at Cooperstown, which was, was that for Ringlesby? For Puck? Uh, No, I think it was for Ringlesby. Okay. Inducted. And that's when I moved into the wrong place. (laughs) Yeah. And the family showed up. (laughs) But but Bullet, I was sitting there and I uh, walked, they have this little reception on Saturday night. I think I told you this story. Mm -hmm. In the museum. Mm -hmm. In the, you know, where the plaques are. And Ira Burkow the great New York Times columnist who was, when I was a copy boy at the Strib, he was a, at the tar, at the Tribune, he was a cub reporter, mm-hmm. and he was sitting there with his wife, and I went over and sat down next to him in this little alcove here, and we were BSing, and all of a sudden, this guy taps me on the shoulder and says, get the hell out of that seat. And it was feller. I knew it was feller, and I said, all right, but why? And he says, and he pointed at the wall, and it was pat- We were underneath his plaque. Uh, He wanted to sit next to his plaque. And uh, a uh, man of enormous ego for damn good reason. Because he was pretty good. 17 years old when he broke into the big leagues. 17 years old. July 19th, 1936 with the Cleveland uh, Indians. Man. Van Meter, Iowa. Kid. Kid. He was uh, 19, November 3rd, 1918, Van Meter, Iowa. I did not know he was not Iowa kid. Uh, the heater from Van Meter. Oh, oh he what was, a great uh, nickname. He was a fantastic pitcher. There's no doubt about it. And then he is uh, near the end there. Uh, he pitched until 1958, but he was kind of running on fumes. But uh, he, as I said, he missed those four years. Ended up with 2,581 strikeouts. So you throw uh, oh, 180, uh, and you're up to about 3,400 if he hadn't missed those uh,
2: four years. I have it confirmed. April 7th, 1984, it was on NBC's Game of the Week, Morris' no-hitter. An opener, opener against the uh, But it wasn't the against against opening the game for the Tigers. So. Right. Okay.
3: All righty. Uh, we shall return. Jerry Zagoda covered last night's Wolves game for the Star Tribune, and he is in Houston. And he will join us.
5: To slip away
3: somehow. This holiday season,
1: Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton shred. Accessories like non slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.
2: At The Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub,